America isn't easy. America is advanced citizenship. You've got to want it bad, because it's going to put up a fight. It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I open with that little clip with uh, from the American president. I think it uh, speaks for itself. And then uh, followed it up with the song uh, Free Will from Rush because, uh, you know what, uh, I just think uh, we're kind of losing that free will thing. Uh, we're losing our, uh, our freedoms, and people don't even notice it. People don't even notice it as we watch the government. You know, the government that's out there supposedly supposed to be representing us. And, uh, you know, that's that's what we elected them to do. Represent us. Are they really representing us? I mean, if you pay attention, and of course most people don't pay attention, which is why I feel compelled to do the main event every week. So, uh, hey, there's some place where some of you guys can go and listen and get a, a week's worth of... Uh, of um, happenings in the in the nation with some common sense thoughts to it to uh, hey let's consider this let's consider this you know and i'll tell you i'm i'm watching i'm watching the news on fox i'm watching it on uh, internet and uh at least once a week i turn over to uh cnn and ps pms nbc so i can uh, so i can experience the left side and uh and and i sit there and say hey, do i believe all this stuff does this stuff make sense to me and i try to say this is how i feel this is the my gut feeling and i try to uh so so say well you know you know i see here's some uh here's people hey you watch too much fox i don't i don't do that i mean i mean i don't i don't just watch fox and say that stuff's the new that stuff is is uh is real i watch it because they they balance it out quite a bit but i balance i balance that out with everything else i see and uh, everything else I hear and um, try to give you my take on it based on my thoughts. So anyway, I'm going to get into everything that's going on this week. But before I do, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman. I'm president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Located here in Southern California, offering uh, real estate financing in California, Arizona, Texas, Ohio, and uh, very shortly... Nevada and Florida. If you're interested in getting getting involved with any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you, hear some, if you uh, want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone, because uh, you don't want to talk about your stuff out loud wherever you're at, or uh, you just want to not feel intimidated when you ask a question and I follow it up with a question, go to WCCLoans.com, www.WCCLoans.com. Click on uh, Looking for a Loan, and then hit Apply Now, and put in as much information as you want me to have and tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, 
Cody Bradbury, uh, Aaron Fredericks, or Randy Johnson, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if you hear anything on the show you want repeated, you can get the podcast on edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Go to the podcast page, hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And you can uh, go on, I, I know on iTunes, I'm not sure. SoundCloud is, uh, you have to click on it to get, well, I guess it's the same either way. So you can uh, have it download automatically. Uh, you can subscribe and have it uh, download automatically once a week. And you can listen to it anytime you want. Um, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman. And uh, the Facebook for the show is facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Um, if you want to leave me some comments on, on the show, if you hear something, uh, pos- if you hear, if you have comments, positive or negative, feel free to call and, uh, record your message. It's eight, five, five, six, four, zero, 2092. I'll try to remember to give you that at the end of the show. I usually forget cause I'm usually running out of time. Okay. So let's talk about what's happening. As the as the shutdown the the shutdown in the, uh, of the of the government and our wall the whole big argument as the shutdown concludes its fourth week the back and forth between President Trump and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi has reached new levels of pettiness starting with Pelosi's so-called security concerns regarding the State of the Union on Wednesday Pelosi sent this message and in my in my opinion. Pelosi doesn't want the president to come on and have have an hour of uh, primetime television to talk about how the Democrats are refusing to negotiate on what's going on. And uh, we'll talk about that more. But here's uh, Nancy Pelosi's uh, letter. On January 3rd, it was my privilege as as a speaker to invite you to deliver the State of the Union address on January 29th. The Constitution calls for the president to quote, from time to time, give the Congress information on the State of the Union. During the 19th century, this is pertinent, during the 19th century and up until the presidency of Woodrow Wilson, these annual State of the Union messages were delivered to Congress in writing. Well, you know, back in the 19th century, we didn't have the Internet or uh, TV or any of that stuff. Um, And since the start of modern budgeting in the fiscal year 1977, a State of the Union address has never been delivered during a government shutdown. Interesting. The U.S. Secret Service was designated as the lead federal agency responsible for coordinating, planning, exercising, and implementing security for national security events by public law uh, 106-544, December 9, 2000. However, both the U.S. Secret Service and the Department of Homeland Security have not been funded for 26 days, with critical departments hamstrung by furloughs. Of course, they're still working. They're not. They're not. They're not uh, sitting at home waiting for their waiting to get called back. Secret Service and Homeland Security is still working. Sadly, given the security concerns and unless the government reopens this week, I suggest that we work together to determine another suitable date after the government has reopened for this address or for you to consider delivering the State of the Union address in writing to the Congress on January 29th. Thank you for your attention in this matter. I think this is a ploy to, uh, to uh, get him to uh, not tell the American people just how stupid the opposition is. I'll tell you that uh, I have a friend who works at the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and uh, her comment this week, as she has uh, time on her hands because she's not working, knowing full well that as soon as she goes back that the Congress already said, we're going to pay all the back pay, so all these people are going to get their money, 
which is supposed to, I guess that, I guess that makes their friends feel better. So they can loan them money to, to, uh, survive this. Cause, uh, uh, federal employees apparently don't pay into unemployment. So there's no uh, unemployment available. And, uh, I know, uh, a lot of the creditors are giving people, uh, deferments on their, on their payments to help out. But, um, you know, they're, they're all dealing with this. And she, and she pointed out, we already spent $13 billion on the shutdown. Trump just give Trump and this and this lady is no Trump fan, no Trump fan, and she said, uh, "Give Trump his five billion and let us all get back to work." So, it costs thirteen point five billion dollars per month to have have the uh, that we're paying out in payroll to people that are doing nothing. They're sitting they're sitting at home waiting to be called back. Thirteen point five billion. So we're set, set to avoid spending $5.7 billion. We're spending $13.5 billion keeping people on, uh, on at home waiting, just waiting to come back to work. Doesn't make, doesn't make too much sense to me. Pressed by reporters, uh, Pelosi doubled down on the security story, saying it was dangerous to have all the members of government in the House chamber without Secret Service. I've, of, I've often wondered that when you see the Secret Service. There's all there's the president, there's the vice president, there's all the senators, on all the Congress people, and the Supreme Court in one in one building. That uh, that seems like a, a concern, but uh, I know that they do it every year. But uh, Pelosi's just blowing smoke. Here's her comments. This is a very big deal. It is a special security event. This is a housekeeping matter in the Congress of the United States so that we can honor the responsibility of the invitation we extended to the president. You can make it from the Oval Office if you want. Uh, I apologize for the sound on that clip. Apparently, uh, when they're recording inside the uh, area of the Capitol, it echoes a lot. But uh, I'll tell you, I listened to it back and forth. She didn't say anything, so... I consider just taking that one out, but you wanted to hear her voice so she could say, well, it is a special event and it's a security concern and uh, la, 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 la. So you can just know that she's just uh, just dribbling. Um, so the Secret Service is still working and everybody's getting paid. So you know what? She, she, she's, she turned her, uh, her angle to, to, hey, it's about workers not getting paid. We don't want to do a secret. We don't want to do a... State of the Union when workers are not getting paid. Well, they are getting paid. They're just being deferred on their paychecks. The White House was conspicuously quiet on Pelosi's threat, but that's because they were working on it, on this response to Pelosi. This was delivered Thursday, Thursday, right before an entire con- congressional delegation was scheduled to board an Air Force bus en route to a plane that would take them to Brussels to meet with NATO commander, followed by a trip to Afghanistan to visit the troops led by Nancy Pelosi. So think about this. This is what our government does. We have a government shutdown, and the Speaker of the House has taken about a dozen Congress people, including, but not limited to, uh, Pelosi, uh, Adam Schiff of, uh, I think he's Burbank out there. Uh, he's the he's the biggest bozo uh, in one of the biggest bozos in California, who's convinced we're gonna we're going. He's right there with. Uh, with Maxine Waters, we're gonna we're you know the the president is gonna get impeached, and uh, and then uh, and uh, our favorite local uh, Gaijin that uh, is our uh, our local congressman here, Mark Takano, who doesn't do a damn thing about anything unless it has to do with the gay community, and uh, they're all getting on a bus to go get on an Air Force jet that's gonna take them across to talk to the the commander of NATO the North Atlantic Treaty Organization 
Why do they do that? What does a congressman from California have to do with NATO? What does a Speaker of the House have? You know who talks to NATO? The President and the Secretary of State, maybe the National Security Advisor. That has not a damn thing to do with anybody in Congress. But we're spending money, and I don't know. And then, then they go over there. They're going to stay in some high, ritzy, high, high-class, ritzy hotel, and then they're going to go from there. They're going to go to Afghanistan to visit our troops. You know what? I have a feeling, based on the military people I know, that I don't think the troops really care to have a visit from Nancy Pelosi or Adam Schiff or Mark Takano, any any other Congress people there. Um, I just don't think they're going to be impressed or feel uh, grateful that someone comes out and say, thank you for your service or any of that stuff. I just don't think that's necessary. And of course the, the part of uh, there's some, uh, con- there's some debate as to whether they plan to go to Egypt for some reason. Um, so these got these people are about ready to get on, get on the plane. They're in the bus. And uh, she receives this, this letter, dear madam speaker, due to the shutdown, I'm sorry to inform you that your trip to Brussels, Egypt and Afghanistan has been postponed. We will reschedule this seven-day excursion when the shutdown is over. In light of the 800,000 great American workers not receiving pay, I'm sure you would agree that postponing this public relation event is totally appropriate. I also feel that during this period, it would be better if you were in Washington negotiating with me and joining the strong border security movement to end the shutdown. Obviously, if you'd like to make your journey by flying commercial, that would certainly be your prerogative. I look forward to seeing you soon, even even more forward to watching our open and dangerous southern border finally receive the intention, funding, and security it so desperately deserves. Sincerely, Donald J. Trump. Now, uh, Pelosi apparently said that she, uh, she, they, they, uh, they canceled their trip that they were going to go commercial because Trump sending that letter um, was a security problem because now it's public. No one was supposed to know about it. I think no one was supposed to know about it because they didn't want to know. They didn't want the taxpayers to know how they're spending our money, how they're spending, wasting our money. Now, now think about this. Think about this. I, I'm part of a homeowners association up in Mammoth. We, uh, Don and I have a, have a, a townhouse up in Mammoth. And uh, so we pay homeowners association $450 a month. And we're, we go to the meeting every, every year. In fact, uh, we're uh, the vice president. Really, Don's the vice president of the HOA, which basically means I am too. So, um, so we pay $450 a month to pay the bills and make keep the lights on in the in the and and pay the 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 bulldozer that comes and and moves the snow when we get a big snowstorm and uh which is the biggest and you know make sure we have money to paint the place and and cover the insurance and all that stuff. Well, this year we decided we decided that uh that we went over the budget and we decided that hey, we better probably should raise our raise our our dues to 550. And you know, some of the homeowners no, not every not everybody had a problem with it, but there was a couple of them that said, "Well, why don't we raise it fifty? Well, because we really should have raised it before. It's we've owned the we've owned our unit for fourteen years and it's never been never been changed, and uh, so we all decided to raise the raise the dues a hundred bucks. Okay, so there's some controversy over a hundred bucks. Now think about this: if you pay if you pay taxes, and if you're not if you think you pay taxes but you're not sure, look at your tax return. Your federal tax return on the on page two go about three quarters of the way down, and there's a line that says um, taxable 
taxable income, uh, adjusted gross tax or adjusted income, you know, your taxable income, how much you're due, how much you have to pay taxes on. And it says, here's what your tax bill is on another, on the line below it or two lines below it. And it says less any uh, withholdings that you had. So money that you paid in on your, on your W-2. And then, then it shows if you owe some money or if you get a refund. If you paid in $25,000 and you got a $5,000 refund, you paid $20,000 in taxes. If you paid in $110,000 and you got back, uh, you got back, uh, you know, $25,000, you paid $85,000 in taxes. If you paid in $2,500 and you got $7,500 back, you don't pay taxes. If you paid in $83 and got $11,000 back, like someone I talked about at one point, you don't pay taxes. Okay. You're, you're taking, you're taking tax money from those of us that do pay taxes. Okay. So, um, and I see a variety, a variety of cheating stuff go on and it makes me mad at every different level because I do, I do loans and I see these taxes and I see how people file their taxes and it's just not fair. And that's why, you know, I don't know for the life of me why we don't just abolish the, the tax system and go to a national sales tax, but that's a whole nother subject. So, but think about it. This money, you know, when when if we pay in those dues to the HOA and we go through the, the thing, what do you think they would say if we said, hey, the board of directors, which is the president, the vice president, the secretary and the treasurer, and and we all have spouses. And then so there, there's a there's eight people. And then there's the the managers as a couple. What if we said, hey, once a year we have to have a board meeting. And uh, since uh, the managers live in Mammoth and and uh, Don and I live in uh, Moreno Valley, and the president lives in uh, Calabasas, and the uh, oh the the secretary lives in Mammoth as well, and the treasurer lives in San Diego. So if uh, if just since we're we're all so far apart, why don't we just have a weekend? We go meet and discuss all this stuff in detail, and we'll meet in Las Vegas, and uh, we'll pay hotel rooms, and we'll pay for uh, some a couple of dinners, and we'll do all that stuff. And we spent ten thousand bucks. On, on a weekend because we have to discuss stuff. Do you think the homeowners would not like that? Do you think if you were a homeowner that you would not like that? If you found out that your homeowners association was doing that, would you like it? Well, think about this. That tax money that goes into that, if you're paying in, that's your money. Do you care if they spend, I don't know, half a million or a million or $2 million dollars uh, chartering that jet, paying those hotel rooms, paying for all their meals for a useless thing. And, and while, while they should be there, uh, taking care of, Hey, Mark DeCano is supposed to be taking care of Riverside, Marino Valley, Paris, Miraloma, and taking care of, of, of issues in, in Washington, DC that relate to our area. What the hell does he need to go to Europe for? Adam Schiff should be doing that stuff for the Burbank area. Nancy Pelosi, on top of being uh, making sure that she runs the Congress, is supposed to be handling that, and she's got a she's got a district up in San Francisco. Is there anything else productive that these people could be doing for the money that we pay them? And is there anything more productive we could do with the money that we're spending for that trip that's completely unnecessary? If that doesn't make you mad, check your pulse. You might be dead. So anyway, I uh, I go on. These are the things that I think about. These are the things that I think about when I see these stories. Well, you know, everyone's talking about, well, look, ah, what a burn. He, he canceled her trip. Oh, but he postponed it. Why should they ever take that trip? I don't want to pay for it. I pay a whole bunch of money in taxes. And you know what? 
And 47% of everybody out there pays no taxes or gets, gets money back. So, but the 50% of us that pay taxes, and if that's not you, it might, might, might not be you last year, but maybe it'll be you this year, or maybe it'll be you next year or the year after. The better the economy gets, the more money people make, the more taxes everybody pays. And if everybody pays something, everybody should pay something, and nobody should have to pay half of what they pay. So anyway, I uh, got completely off my uh, off my track there, but that's what I think, and that's, that's the stuff that I observe, and uh, I'm interested in your comments. 855-640-2092. See, I got that one in. Hey, so meanwhile, there's a second migrant caravan on its way to the U.S. border as we speak. What started as a group of 600 in Honduras last week grew to 2,000 by this week. Moving through Guatemala, through Mexico, so Honduras is south of Guatemala, has to go through Guatemala to get to Mexico, where they'll probably repeat the same process as the caravan that's been camped out in Tijuana since December. Here's Fox's Steve Harrigan reporting. We're mainly seeing young men, groups of 5, 10, 20, making this march. They've got about 300 miles to go to Mexico. It was a little slowdown today for the caravan. In Guatemala, the riot police were out in force. A few hundred of them with shields, helmets, wooden batons. There was no violence, but certainly a strong presence there at the border. It doesn't take much, though, to get from Honduras into Guatemala. All you have to do is show your ID card. You don't need a visa or a passport. So people were let through, but it did slow them down. So next we'll see what kind of reception they get in Mexico. Well, you know, in Mexico, they're not getting a very good reception because the last caravan stuck in Tijuana, and since they were not letting them into our country, they're getting stuck in Mexico. Mexico doesn't want them. They can't afford them. They don't want the mess. They don't want the, the financial burden. They don't want any of that burden. They don't want them, okay, because they can't afford them. Hey, as long as we're just letting them go into the United States, hey, you're, you're free to travel through our country. But now that, we're, now that we're taking a stand, they're not happy about that. So what did we do? We gave Mexico $4.8 billion to increase the security at their southern border. Wait a minute. We, allowed, we, we sent $4.8 billion to Mexico for their border, but we're not willing to spend $5.7 billion for, for security at our border. Do you see where this, this stuff doesn't make sense? Do you see, does any of that stuff make sense to you? I mean, this is, this is, this is, this is a tragedy. This is a tragedy. And, uh, you know, it, this is the kind of stuff that I sit there and I go, hmm, hmm. And some of you guys don't even know about this stuff because they don't all talk about it. If you're watching the wrong station or you don't read the news or you don't, uh, or you don't investigate stuff, I hear, st I hear stuff and go, hmm, what are they talking about there? And then I Google it. And then I go look at stuff and I look at, and, and when I Google something, I look at the source of where it's coming from and say, hmm, are these people uh, reliable? Let's check somewhere else and see, see what it is, which I'll show you some stuff I figured out uh, later from, uh, from some speeches that I'm going to play here. So uh, see, I got two minutes left for the break. So let's talk about the, uh, the new attorney general nominee, Bill Barr, uh, president Trump's replacement for Jeff Sessions. Uh, already served in the position as the 77th Attorney General from 91 to 93 under uh, George H.W. Bush administration. I think Trump nominated uh, Bill Barr. He he seems to be a smart guy. He seems to be holding his own in the in the uh, in the uh, hearings. Um, but I think he nominated him because he served under uh, George H.W. Bush while everyone was all glomming on and being sweet on the Bushes. 
after uh, after he passed away and everyone is complimenting him what a great person he was and everything's wonderful so Trump says hey I'm going to nominate Bill Barr this should slide through really easy so uh, at his confirmation hearing uh, uh, on Wednesday Barr who is reportedly a longtime friend of Robert Mueller vowed to protect Mueller's Russia investigation from political interference um, in fact, he said that if confirmed as attorney general, he may ultimately write the public version of the special counsel's findings himself. Sounds like a sweet deal. Uh, not to Democrats, of course, uh, the living dinosaur. You know what? I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to save this for the, for part two, um, before I give you some, give you some pieces of that, uh, of that hearing. So you guys, cause I, that way it's all together. You can, uh, it'll make, make more sense. So anyway, Hey, I'm out of time for part one of the main events. Stay, uh, stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, commercial, and uh, sports, and I'll be right back with you, part two. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't usually talk about uh, real estate or finance on the radio on this show uh, too often because it's. Uh, I found the secret to why real estate shows uh, don't seem to uh, last on the radio because they talk about real estate. And, uh, you know, if you're talking every week and bringing new stuff every week, I guess some of you guys that aren't in the real estate business, in the real estate market, may find it boring. And, uh, you know, you know when uh, real estate is real estate uh, talk is interesting when you're looking for real estate. If you're looking for real estate, if you're looking to refinance some real estate, if you're looking to finance some new real estate, if you're looking to figure out if that reverse mortgage thing is is uh, is everything you're hearing about it, or if it's or if it's not as bad as what you're hearing about it, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty eight five five six four zero twenty twenty or wccloans.com. So, uh, so before the, before the break, before the break, we were talking about, uh, the new attorney general, Bill Barr and his, uh, confirmation hearings this week. Um, so the, uh, the attorney general, as I said, said he'd probably write the public version of, of, uh, the special counsel Mueller's findings himself to make it sound, uh, so he could, uh, so it would, so it would make more sense without a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo. Um, the Democrats didn't like it, uh, that weren't happy with that. Here's living dinosaur Patrick Leahy. He said if Barr becomes attorney general, he should ask his employees whether he should recuse himself. So will you commit, if confirmed, to both seeking and following the advice of the department's career ethics officials on whether you must recuse from the special counsel's investigation? Uh, I, I will seek... Uh, the advice of the career uh, ethics uh, personnel, but under the regulations, I make the decision as the head of the agency as to my own recusal. Yeah, we wished uh, Jeff Sessions figured that out because Jeff Sessions, I- I'll need to recuse myself from this because I was involved in the in the Trump in the Trump uh, uh, campaign, and and I don't want to. I, I may have. I don't know if I may have talked to someone who was of Russian descent. And uh, I need to recuse myself because of my involvement in the campaign. Okay, you know, at some point, the attorney general is still the attorney general, and he should he should have the uh, have the knowledge, the confidence, 
and the uh, cojones to uh, to to say, hey, wait, 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 wait. I recuse myself because of the you were looking for stuff on Russian collusion. Now you're going into this other area, and I don't think it's appropriate. But uh, Jeff Sessions was was not uh, not aggressive like that. He was from Alabama, and uh, he talked with a draw like this, and uh, he just uh, was not that fierce. And so, uh, so far, I don't have a I don't have a ton of a of a history of of following Bill Barr because when he was uh, president, I was uh, I was I guess I was thirty. If he's in ninety one, I was thirty, and. Uh, I guess I just wasn't as involved in politics when I was 30. So I guess I should uh, lay off my kids because my kids uh, that are in their 30s, uh, our, oldest, our oldest kid, uh, Don's son, Brett, he's, a, he's older. He seems to be more connected. But our younger, our younger two, 34 and 32, I guess I should ease off them a little bit because I guess I wasn't involved at 30 either. Of course, maybe at 34 I was. So we'll see. We'll see. So later in the questions, Leahy asked Barr about his 20-page memo to the Department of Justice that recommended recommended against prosecuting the president. In case you can't understand the 78-year-old senator, Leahy is asking Barr if he sent the memo to get Trump's attention so he would he would be offered the job of attorney general. You also are very critical but of the Russian probe. And uh, I mean, I can't think of anything that would, in your memo, for example, that would jump out more for this president because of his commitment to it. And I ask that because some have said uh, on both sides that it looked like a job application. And so that's what I want you to refer to. Well, I, you know, that's ludicrous. If I wanted the job and was going after the job, there are many more direct ways of me bringing myself to the president's attention than writing an 18-page legal memorandum. Yeah, you know, and uh, and just think about this, uh, Patrick Leahy. Does he sound like the sharpest mind that we should? You know, we should have we should have 535 members, the Senate and the uh, and the Congress. We should have 535 of the sharpest minds you know, most logical, clear thinking, uh, people in the country that, that, uh, can, can represent us. I don't think we got that. I don't think we got it in the younger, in the younger people. And I don't think we got it in, in the people that have been in there for, uh, you know, 95 years. Um, maybe it's time that we start. Hey, maybe it's time. I don't Patrick Leahy. He's from what state he's from, uh, he's from, uh, I don't know where he's from. Um, but maybe you guys voting, maybe you guys should should pay attention and start figuring out, you know, what the hell were you guys thinking in the South Bay that reelecting Maxine Waters? What? Oh, uh, so Leahy's from Vermont. So Vermont, you know, it's uh, it's cold in November. So maybe they just don't get out and vote. Um, maybe they just send them in absentee and they get they get a uh, they get hijacked like they do here in California. So. Uh, um, so then see here, then, uh, Dick Durbin, Dick Durbin, he's a, he's a, he's a special guy. He fired these absurd questions. When you consider what Jeff Sessions went through as the attorney general for president Donald Trump, where he was subjected to unrelenting criticism, primarily because as a matter of conscience, he decided he had a conflict of interest and should remove himself from 
any decisions by the special counsel concerning the Russia investigation. When you consider that this president has lashed out on a personal basis against federal judges who ruled against his administration, when you consider the criticism which he has leveled at the chief law enforcement investigative agency of the Department of Justice, the FBI, as well as our intelligence agencies, when you see the exit lanes glutted, those leaving the White House at every single level, why do you want this job? What would be your breaking point? When would you pick up and leave? When is your Jim Mattis moment when the president has asked you to do something which you think is inconsistent with your oath? Doesn't that give you some pause as you embark on this journey? Uh, it might give me pause if I was 45 or 50 years old, <laughs> but it doesn't give me pause right now because uh, I, I, had, I had a very good life. I have a very good life. I love it. Uh, but I also want to help in this circumstance, and I am not going to do anything that I think is wrong, and I will not be bullied into doing anything I think is wrong by anybody, whether it be editorial boards or Congress or the president. I'm going to do what I think is right. You know what? What more can we ask for? What more can we ask for? And yet in the end, the Senate will likely confirm Bill Barr as uh, William Barr as attorney general, proving that he's just another that this is just another big dumb show put on by the Democrats at every single one of these hearings. And just hear this comment from Diane Feinstein. And so you see this a, a pretty easy road for him heading to confirmation. Oh, I think so. We'll see. Yeah, well, it's uh, apparently not as tough as being a Supreme Court justice. So uh, and we'll see where that goes. And when uh, Trump gets a chance to put his third conservative Supreme Court justice there, who knows what time that will be. Won't be long. Won't be long. So uh, let's talk about Democrats trying to run. List of Democrats who aim to run for president in 2020 continues to grow with more prospective candidates. Indicating interest by launching exploratory committees. As I said last week, that's you have to launch an exploratory committee before you can declare candidacy. The latest this week is Kirsten Gillibrand, the junior senator from New York, who uh, lack of personality or uh, charisma. Uh, you know, she attempts to portray herself as a feminist icon. Every time she does that, she seems to fall flat. Her announcement to form the exploratory came on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Well, there's been a lot of speculation as to why you're here tonight. And I just wanted to point out to everybody, what could she possibly have to talk about? She was here in November. I mean, November, take out the holidays, you were basically here last week. So... <laughs> I'm just curious, uh, do you have anything you would like to announce? Yes. <laughs> and what would that be, madam? I'm filing an exploratory committee for President of the United States tonight. Tonight. Can you just imagine that voice being president? She is so ins uninspiring. She's so uninspiring. Every time I see her on TV, I just go... Why does she bother getting by the mic? Just just do your job and and stay in the, stay in the shadows. She you know she's she's itching to to get her moment to to get a, to become a leader. She's not there. Apparently, Colbert's show is becoming the favorite new hangout for Democrats trying to run for president. Although she hasn't announced anything yet, our own Senator Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, as she says it, Kamala Harris has uh, been there recently too. And of course, the show was happy to help her 
appear relate to relate to America. Remember when Obama used to do slow jam the news with Jimmy Fallon? Here's Colbert's version of that with Kamala Harris. Hey, it's Kamala Harris, and this is my mood mix. A song that has always made me dance. Check the rhyme, A Tribe Called Quest. You know, I'm talking about Fife. <laughs> a song from my favorite movie, Purple Rain by Prince and Shallow by Lady Gaga. Okay, so it's supposed to be my favorite song at a cookout, but you don't play just one song at a cookout. You play a lot of songs at a cookout, and I highly recommend Lemonade by Beyonce. You know what? Think about this. This was our California Attorney General. Now she's our senator. She's an attorney. She just looks stupid on this. If you can, if you can stand another 45 seconds, here it is. A song by one of my favorite rappers from California would be Humble by Kendrick Lamar. I work out in the morning, every morning, and um, folks wanted to know a song I listen to while working out. I don't. I watch Morning Joe. A presidential song for anyone. One Nation Under a Groove by Funkadelic. One Nation Under a Groove. Getting down just for the funk of it. Can I get it on the... Wow! <laughs> yeah, I want to I give the White House to her. You know what? I don't care. I don't care how much anybody hates Donald Trump. Is that some, someone that would put that out knowing she's about, she's going to declare candidacy for president? I don't know. Just to me... Just doesn't say president. Speaking of Democrats who want who want to try to be relatable, Elizabeth Warren made a campaign stop in New Hampshire this week, and something in her stump speech sounds awful lot like uh, some other people who've run for president, uh, maybe Bernie Sanders and Barack Obama. This is about who the rules work for. Is it just going to be for the wealthy and the well connected, or is it going to be for everyone else? So here's how I see this. We need to make change in this country. Not little bitty change, not change at the margins, not a nibble around the edges, not even pass one good law here and one good law there. We need to make systemic change in this country. Hey, you know, before she steals uh, Who Do the Rules Work For?, from Bernie Sanders, you better Bernie better tell tell her, hey, I'm running. You can't steal my set. Uh, I can't. You can't steal my uh, my lines because those are still my lines. I'm using them. So stop stealing my lines. And of course, Barack Obama. We're just five days away from fundamental change in in America. Oh, the she used systemic change this time. Here's the clip that caught my attention uh, in this speech. And we need to attack head on the costs that hard-working families face every day. We need to tackle them together. The high cost of health care, the high cost of housing, the high cost of child care, and the high cost of getting an education. Hey, you know what, you know what, you know what I noticed? 
when you when you hear people campaigning, everybody has the same message. We want to make your life better. We want this. We want that. We want to do this. We want to do that. They all have the same message. The problem is, is that the Democrats idea on how to get there versus how the the let's say the liberal the liberal version of how to get there versus the conservative version of how to get there you know we the conservatives try to be more realistic about how how the world works and you know understand this is how the economy works this is how human human relations or human uh, behavior works this is the things that we do the democrats want to just give everything away so hey we got to tackle head on the high cost of health care because it costs too much Wait a minute! You guys had control the of the of the country um, under the Obama administration, and you guys completely revamped healthcare. You mean it costs too much? Why does it cost too much? It's supposed to cut cost. And if you haven't had to have healthcare lately, it sucks right now. It really sucks. It's very hard to get healthcare. It takes way longer than normal to get appointments, and it and uh, you know it's. The the regulations on getting uh, getting certain uh, medications are ridiculous, and you know, say, hey, we all got health care. No, we don't. Everybody's got insurance. That doesn't mean anything having to do with health care. But we need to tackle it head on. You guys tackled it head on and made it more screwed up than it ever was. The high cost of housing. Well, what are you gonna do about the high cost of housing? Does that mean give away some free stuff to? Uh, to make the uh, to make uh, you know give people free rent, or is it are you going to uh, uh, do something to limit what you can sell your house for? I don't understand. You're going to do something to to uh, um, to manipulate the the real estate market. What are you going to do for that? Why don't you just instead of uh, increase in, instead of fighting those costs, why don't you fight incomes? Why don't you help people? Why don't you create an environment where income gets better? The free market will regulate the cost of housing. If people can't afford to rent a house for $2,500 a month, that landlord's going to have to lower his rent or it's going to sit empty. If people can't, if you can't get someone to, to work for $5 an hour, you're going to have to pay $10 an hour, and that will adjust all the way through the market of your product. Uh, speaking of, uh, speaking of, uh, the jobs that the illegal aliens have to do because no one else will do them. No one else will do them for $5 an hour. You're right. No one else will do them for $10 an hour. I wouldn't want to do it for $20 an hour, but you know, if it, if it was $35 an hour, maybe I would do it. And you know, if that makes the cost of an apple go from uh, 45 cents to 51 cents, so be it. The market is always right. The high cost of education. You know why the education is so high? Because we give away free student loans. Just the same way that the price of price of houses went so high up when we created not, uh, subprime loans. When when the price of houses gets to where only a certain percentage of the of the population can can afford to buy those houses, you start seeing the prices plateau. And then sometimes they make adjustments. They come down a little bit. This time in 2000, uh, 2004 or five, as it as the price as they were starting to plateau, what happened? We had subprime loans. You could just state your income. We could do uh, uh, negative amortization loans, interest-only loans. You don't have to, you know, if you have a pulse, you get a house, and you don't have to have a down payment. Okay, we created uh, we created a. Financing products that made everybody could afford it. But guess what? You guys don't really make that much money as what you're stating. And it fell apart and created a worldwide economic 
crisis. So what do we do with student loans? Hey, you know what? Student loans, everybody, if you're going to school, you're guaranteed student loans. So what, what did that do? Hey, everybody can go here. So the universities just said, hey, we'll just jack up our prices. Worst case, they're just borrowing the money anyway. We don't care. It's not the market and it's not the, hey, the student loans are guaranteed by the taxpayer. They should be guaranteed by the university because then they'll stop charging $100,000 to get a degree that doesn't make you $2,000 a month. Useless degrees. Hey, hey, you know what? If we have to guarantee the, the our product, then we better only, only uh, teach degrees that actually are valuable to the, to the people uh, getting them. You know, these are, these are common sense things that I think, I don't know. You could take it any way you want. Maybe you like Elizabeth Warren. Everyone thought Elizabeth Warren was the first to launch her exploratory committee for 2020 on New Year's Eve, but someone consider considerably less famous actually filed first. That would be Julian Castro, the Obama-era HUD secretary who isn't as famous as his twin brother, Texas Congressman Joaquin Castro. Or maybe people think they're the same person. I don't know. That's kind of how what the twin, that identical twin thing. Hey, they look exactly the same. I don't know who's who. So anyway, so anyway, I had a I had opportunity to hear Julian Castro give a speech at the Mortgage Bankers Association conference in Washington D.C. Uh, yeah, several years ago. It was the same conference that uh, Richard Cordray, the head of uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, uh, came out with his uh, first his first his first speech to the Mortgage Bankers Association. Um, basically, the guy who controls our collective uh, futures and uh, on regulations, and he comes out, and the first sentence out of his mouth is, "The Affordable Care Act will save the housing industry." So, <clears throat> I've told that story several times. So, uh, but who, Julian Castro is speaking, and he's speaking kind of from the same uh, from the same uh, speechwriter. And I said, "This guy is Barack Obama." I'm listening to him. His voice sounds like Barack Obama, his voice inflection, the way he gives a speech and all the words came, you know, you know, Obama had his speechwriter write his speech and I just go, nah, I'm not interested. And I walked out about halfway through cause he just didn't make any sense. Um, you know, we were, we were, uh, recovering from the, the big meltdown and I just, I don't want to hear politics. I don't want to hear politicians tell me how the, how the real world is because politicians don't know. You know why Donald Trump is so offensive to everybody? Because he's not a politician. He's a businessman, and he's getting business taken care of. So, and uh, and we didn't hire him to to uh, to date our daughters. We didn't hire him to to uh, to pastor our churches. We hired him to get to get stuff done and solve problems in Washington D.C. And if he's a little offensive, so be it. Just get just get the job done. Castro showed up in New Hampshire this week too, but instead of trying to, to gin up inspiration or enthusiasm, he went with the less exciting strategy talking about race relations and law enforcement. If we want to be the fairest nation on earth, we have to reform and to reimagine our justice system. For too many people of color in this country, one interaction with the police can become fatal. It doesn't have to be that way. You can't tell me that if police can apprehend Dylan Roof, the person that shot up that church in Charleston, South Carolina, without hurting him, 
then that Eric Garner and Tamir Rice and Jason Perro and Sandra Bland shouldn't still be alive today. Yes, folks, that's a guy who's running for president. He's not being the church of the, he's not being a pastor in your, in your church. Uh, he's, he's running for president. And if you look up those four people, Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, Jason Perro, and Sandra Bland, you'll find out that these are all people that basically attacked, pulled guns uh, on cops, and they found themselves dead. Uh, you know, one guy, one guy uh, uh, lunged at the cop with a butcher knife, and the the cop protected himself. He pulled his gun and and fired. He should be he should be able to. People aren't entitled to just live their life free and threaten the lives of our police that are out there to. I mean, our policemen should have the have the right to go home to their families at the end of the day. And uh, so, you know what? That's uh, that's how that one works. And speaking of race baiters, this is my favorite favorite part of the part of the show um, this week. CNN hired another one of those race baiters, Ariva Martin, a civil rights attorney and CNN legal analyst, David Webb, who you've seen on Fox News, and he has a serious XM radio on Patriot Radio. Uh, this week, their discussion on affirmative action turned into a, to a one on what else white privilege, but there's one problem with that. I never considered my color the issue. I considered my qualifications the issue. Well, David, you know, that that's a whole nother long conversation about white privilege and things that you have the privilege of doing that people of color don't have the privilege of. How do and I have the privilege you, of white privilege? David, by virtue of being a white male, you have white privilege. This whole long conversation, I don't have time to get uh, Ariva, I hate to break it to you, to but you should have been better prepped. I'm black. Boom. I think that's funny as ah. I love that. I love that. She told me he had white privilege. Didn't know he was a black guy. Hey, a black guy that's conservative. That's unheard of. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back again with you next week. Views expressed on this program are Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB number 093746.